Welcome to the Press On Podcast. Expect to be inspired, challenged, and strengthened. In this episode, we'll hear from Kathy Strachan on See God in Everything. Our God creates and sustains this magnificent world. He is in everything. And I want to be constantly aware of seeing him, looking for him, and recognizing him in all things, from the creation around me to my own personal life. I remember as a teenager on a truthful youth camp, our youth leader would play a game similar to I spy with my little eye. But instead of picking the first letter of something he saw, he would name the object and we would have to come up with biblical references to that thing, such as cloud, the color purple, an acacia tree, etc. Of course, it became a competitive knowledge rivalry, but the concept was to relate everything we saw to something in scripture. Apart from sharpening our memory skills, it taught me to look for God in everything we see or do. When I see birds, their beauty, just for me to see, I think of him. And think of where birds are written about in scripture or are symbolic of something. When I learn from my children or see a child dependent on their parent, it reminds me that I am a child of God and how blessed I am to be part of his family. When you see a sheep or a boat or a donkey or a leek or red wine, or a coat, or a mountain, or a hand, or someone's eyes. I have learned to be alert and aware of what God is showing me and teaching me. It's a different outlook or attitude to life. But in order for me to remember a verse, or to think of a scriptural connection or association, I have to have had that knowledge in my head to start with. This obviously takes time, studying, listening, meditating, reading and praying. Just like the wise and foolish virgins had to take time to crush olives for oil and trim their wicks to prepare their lamps, it takes time, effort and above all, a desire to look for God in Jesus in our daily lives. I have come to firmly believe that my Father is actively involved in everything I do, both in the big things and the small, apparently inconsequential things. I find it incomprehensible that a God whom I'm blessed to call Abba Father and who loves me more than I'm able to understand or imagine would or even could be disinterested or uninvolved in my life. For some people, this may seem so obvious, but for others, time and chance happens to everyone. I think that trusting the Lord with all my heart not depending on my own understanding and seeking his will in all that I do, God will show me which path to take in everything, however big or small. I agree with David when he said to God, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. 
I grew up with the notion that our prayers are based on the structure of the Lord's Prayer, sort of a checklist of things to include in a prayer. And as a child, there was not much personal impact, but more a global and remote outworking of God's plan in my life and the world. Today, I find such distant, impersonal praying quite difficult as it appears more and more to me to be an intellectual and verbal expression rather than heartfelt groans that cannot be expressed. If I'm walking and living and doing and saying everything in the presence of my Father with my King beside me, then I'm sharing with them the minute of every day as well as the big changes that occur. I haven't come to this point easily or quickly. It's been a gradual realization of the length and breadth and height and depth of his love, which I've only really begun to appreciate when I became a parent myself. The strength of the love and protective feelings I have for my three sons made me wonder, if a mere human being can love a child so much, then unfathomable in its vastness, is the love that the creator of the universe and of every child must have. My expression of love is so small in comparison to the extravagance of his love. So if I as a parent care for my children and don't give them stones and snakes, but encourage and guide and assist and involve myself with them as much as they will allow, how much more Will our Father give us good gifts to bring us to his kingdom if we ask him? He wants me there so desperately that he even allowed Jesus to be tortured to show me how much he loves me. Another way of looking at this great gift is to realize how exciting it is to have this privilege of God as a loving Father and what it means to me on a daily basis. God loves me. He knows my name. He wants to be with me in my ups and downs. He wants to know everything I do and say and think. So I tell him in an ongoing conversation in my head and heart through the day. I visualize him walking down the hospital corridor with me and sometimes I beg him to hold my hand because I can't do this anymore. And I remember I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't matter how big or small. I can do it through and with his strength. Or I think all things work together for good for them that love him. Not some things or big things, but everything. Please don't think this means that only good things happen to those who love him. I think it means everything works together for my good, my spiritual good. And no trials for the present seem pleasant, but rather painful. Since I believe God loves me and wants me in his kingdom, I'm learning to be content with whatever situation he puts me in. Another example of how I've experienced God in the everyday was when I bought an optometry practice. I believed it was a gift from God. It was his practice and I was managing it for him. Every patient that came through the door was a gift for which I said thank you. Every time I had to pay accounts, I'd pray, and there was always just enough money in the bank to pay the bills. That computer sure got to hear many a prayer of gratitude. And it's not always stress-free when one has staff to support and loans to pay, but I always trusted 
that God would guide and bless. I also tried to think of every patient that sat in the examination chair as if they were Jesus. If the king of the world was sitting in my chair, I would do the best, most thorough eye examination possible. I would be as patient and kind and respectful so that inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Obviously, in your life, the situation is different, but the principle is the same. Every person you interact with could be one of the least of these, my brethren, which means you're doing it for Jesus. What an honor. But also, it keeps me fully aware that I can't go anywhere that God isn't. The depths of the ocean, up to the heavens, in light or in dark, he is always there with me, holding me fast. It gives me a sense of strong security and comfort, knowing that he is for me. Who can be against me? I learned to recognize how big our God is and how he touches the lives of those he loves and are doing his work while I was working in the Community Outreach Program Trust in South Africa. This is a program of preaching and outreach to the poor, the fatherless and widows, and our neighbors in the community, and a touch in order to teach concept. We met together once a week to report back on what had happened and to plan for the week ahead. And after opening in prayer, which was always for guidance and direction, not just for a blessing on our already made decisions, we would go around the table and report back on just one God moment in our week. One instance where we had seen the Father working directly in our lives or the project. Sometimes it was hard to limit ourselves to just one. Like when the city council person attending a meeting was not the person we'd asked to meet with, but God had sent the perfect person with the right knowledge and connections for the request that we had. The list of examples is endless, and every week we were all amazed at the power of his love and generosity. We quickly realized that we could think big, outrageously big, and be blown away by the outpouring of the Father's grace. I'll open the windows of heaven and there will be so much you cannot store it. We set goals for his honor and glory and we all grew more in faith and passion and excitement for him and his work. So you can well understand that when my husband Mark had his employment moved to Sydney, Australia, I was absolutely devastated to be leaving all this behind. What on earth was I going to do for God in Sydney? I was terrified of taking my three impressionable teenage boys to a society way more liberal and progressive than South Africa's was. I didn't want to leave my ecclesial family. I didn't want to leave the outreach work. I didn't want to sell my beautiful home or the practice that God had given me. We tried everything in our power to fight against the decision. We looked at other employment opportunities, but we would have had to move city anyway. Everything we commented on to Mark's company, they merely offered more money to fix it until it was embarrassing. Every way we turned, we felt like God was blocking us. We were told our house was a niche market and it would be difficult to sell. We got four offers. I was told the practice would be difficult to sell in the economic climate. I also got four offers. Everybody in the community, not our ecclesial members, 
said how hard it was going to be to go to a place where you knew nobody or the culture, but they had no idea that I had a whole network of Christadelphian family, some of whom I had already met through the mission work in South Africa. It was so clear to me that I was kicking against the pricks like Paul had done. One cannot fight against God. I knew I would lose. I can remember the specific moment on a Sunday morning when I was oblivious to the service, arguing with God and tears pouring down my face when I realized that I was being like Paul and fighting against him and that I needed to be more like Abraham and leave my native country, my relatives, my father's family and go to the land that God would show us and trust that he knew what he was doing and why. I'm still not sure why he brought us to Australia, but I do know for sure that he's with me each and every step of every day. Which brings me to my career change and how God has worked with and through me. My motivation is to be Jesus to those I meet, in particular the hands and feet of Jesus to the vulnerable and advocating for those without a voice. I wanted, and still do want, to work with older people to fulfill part of pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. In Western society, widows in their affliction, to me, means any elderly person in their affliction, marginalization, loneliness, grief, financial difficulty, health concerns, or any pain and suffering. I've never forgotten an exhortation that I listened to about 40 years ago when a brother said, I would hate to be standing behind Mother Teresa at the judgment seat because he felt she would show him up so badly. I researched her life and motivation and how, like Jesus, she gave of herself totally and her possessions to the poor and to the dying who would never be able to repay her. Do good and give without expecting to be repaid. She is an example to me of an ordinary person who did extraordinary things for God, and I want to do the same. When we came to Australia, I knew I didn't want to re-register as an optometrist to practice here, since opening a new business in a city where you have no professional contacts or patient relationships would be very difficult. So my only option would have been to work for a chain in a shopping center with long hours and evenings and weekend work. My family was more important to me than that, and I'm not enthusiastic about the business model of impersonal service in these chains with financial targets to meet rather than the patient's best health care to deliver. It's always been important to me to give the best, most useful service to the patient rather than upselling them everything to meet a target. So this option was closed to me and I have no regrets. I had loved my work because of the people interaction and I was sure God would provide. I began volunteering at Christadelphian Aged Care and did their pastoral care training and later was certified at college in pastoral care and chaplaincy. At the same time, I got a three morning a week position as a personal private carer for a gentleman who'd been injured in a car accident. Little did I know how many skills I was learning, especially patience, compassion, 
and understanding of ageing and disabilities. I absolutely loved both jobs, and when a position became available at Christadelphia in aged care, my gentleman moved out of Sydney, God opened another opportunity. I worked for five years in one of the care homes with about 100 residents that included a dementia-specific unit. I did an online course to educate myself about the condition and did another short course on palliative care. These courses led to an offer by the Australian government promoting education in aged care. I was able to complete a fully financially supported degree in dementia care and I had no idea at the time of accepting this offer that three years down the line I would be applying to Sydney University to study a Master of Nursing and that this free initial Australian degree would be the grounds on which I was accepted because my previous tertiary education was way more than 10 years old. God always has a plan even if we don't know it at the time. I managed to work full-time and study full-time for a while, and my experience at aged care, disability care, and community work all dovetailed together in a way that I could never have foreseen. All my work experience, my life experience, and spiritual growth have met together. All that I am and all that I have learned and all that I have, I owe entirely to my God. Paul says to only boast that we are in Christ. And Jesus says we cannot do anything of our own initiative or authority without him. Was it easy? By no means. I struggled with balancing God, work, family, church and a social life. There were as as many exuberant highs as there were hysterical lows. Was I spiritually on track the whole time? impossible in this mortal body. My life isn't perfect, but I try to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus and where I'm going. This helps when I can't see the big picture or understand what it is that God wants me to learn. He has kept me humble through violence experienced in Africa and the resulting PTSD, health thorns in the flesh, with children that I beg to him to touch their hearts and bring them to himself. Three retrenchments. I could go on. I've had three smash and grab attacks. We were held at gunpoint to take our new car in our driveway when our children were babies, and we've had four break-ins for theft. I really struggled with my body responding with absolute terror and my mind saying, God will never leave you or forsake you. I've woken in the night with heart pounding and sweating in fear and been absolutely furious that I can't control my body's reactions. Where was my faith? I remember on one occasion when my husband was away on a business trip and I had three small children to look after, we had a break in in our home while we were at the meeting. I figured someone else needed the stolen items more than I did and at least we weren't at home when it happened and that we were physically safe but it didn't stop me feeling incredibly vulnerable that night and I went to bed clutching my Bible tightly to my chest as a physical reminder that God is always with me. I've had to learn to recognize that God created my body to react that way and that faith and love are a living, growing part of my relationship with my Father. It doesn't come fully grown, 
but it needs to be nurtured and encouraged and supported, just like any other relationship. I think I subconsciously prefer not to dwell on the negative. There's too much pain and vulnerability there. And I've lived in situations I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. But I'm glad in retrospect that I've been through them because of what I've learned. But I don't like to dig around there. It's too sore. So I focus on the positive and move forward and leave it in the past where it belongs and keep praying to be malleable clay that God can use. I want to be a vessel for honour and show the world I'm proud of who I serve. Pretty much everywhere I go, I speak about my passion for palliative care, especially end-of-life care, to be with people who don't want to die alone. I've held people as they die, to be with loved ones in their grief, to show love and compassion and to just be a supporting presence in someone's time of need. My nursing studies added to this, and that I was able to add medical help to the emotional and spiritual training that I've done. One student placement, I asked the hospital manager if she ever needed any staff, I was willing, and she offered me a part-time job immediately. This led to more work at a bigger hospital, where my manager there said to the postgraduate recruitment team that they would be crazy not to employ me when when I graduated. I didn't even have to apply for a position. God was guiding and showing me what path to take. I was allowed to choose which ward I wanted, palliative care obviously, and started working in the palliative oncology ward. After a year there, I started exploring other options for palliative community care, which is my long-term goal, to support a person to die at home, if that's their preference, and to be there for an inclusive experience with the whole family, giving holistic care, medical, social, psychological, and spiritual care. I prayed about one position I was particularly interested in, and after much discussion with God and Mark, my husband, we decided it wasn't the right time or place for that particular adventure. About two days later, as I was driving to work, a woman I had met a couple of times in my nursing rang me completely out of the blue and offered me the exact job I had been telling everybody I was working towards in the long term. Wow, I was so excited that God had handed me this opportunity, unlooked for, but definitely wanted. So I started a new chapter in March 23, working in a 19-bed hospice, training there for a year, studying a specialization in palliative care in between, And God willing, if Jesus isn't physically here with us, then next year I will be able to begin my community care service. I knew I was in the right place when on the first day of work, as I waited in the reception area, I noticed a big plaque indicating that the building had been constructed to the glory of God. I grinned and said, thank you. I know I'm in the right place for you. Do I want to retire sometime? Not really. I don't think we ever retire from loving God and thanking him for everything he has done for us. And this is my way of doing this for him. As long as I have the mental and physical capacity to care, I want to continue. I dream of sitting in a rocking chair one day as an old lady watching the beauty of creation in the ocean. But at this point, I can't imagine doing that every day. I know my God is always with me. Jesus promised he will never leave us nor forsake us. And went on to say, and be sure of this, 
I am with you always. I believe it and have seen his work and power in action in my life every day. As Paul writes in Ephesians, Christ has made his home in my heart as I have trusted in him. My roots grow down into God's love and keep me strong. I've come to a growing understanding of how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love for me is. I pray some of you may have been helped by my discussion of my love for my father and how I try to look for him and his strength and search for his presence continually in everything around me, both big and small, the good and the bad. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the message today. You've been listening to Kathy Strachan. And for more, you can visit pressonjournal.org.